It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Christmas is a time for everybody to dream a little bit. So what needs to go right for the Kansas City Royals to make the postseason in 2024? You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned into another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. It's also very easy to find us on wherever you listen to your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and we are live on YouTube. couple subscribers away from 800, which completely shattered our goal for Christmas Day. So you be the next subscriber and maybe the 800th subscriber on this YouTube channel. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. And though a lot of us here in Kansas City are feeling the effects of the Chiefs losing to the Raiders earlier this afternoon, there's still a lot of games that are going to be upcoming here in the couple days, not just in the NFL, but you look at college sports, bowl games, college basketball. FanDuel is where you need to go create your account and start placing some bets. If you are a first-time listener, of course, welcome in. We love new listeners here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you want to know a little bit more about me while I work in sports, I work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Got a show once a week over there and also have a show Monday through Friday on ESPN Kansas City. So if you ever want to get my thoughts, maybe in regards to the Kansas City Chiefs, you can check me out on those platforms. But when you click on this podcast, you know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball, whether they are in season or they are out of season. And if you are watching on YouTube, you would know a little bit of a a difference to our our podcasting layout here. We got a brand new mic here. We got a brand new camera. We have a whole new setup. This is temporary, not not the microphone, not not the camera. That's going to be moving with us uh, when we move back to our podcasting area. But that's not going away. This whole background and everything, that's going to change. So this is kind of a a makeshift background, if you will, while we are doing some shows over the Christmas week. Of course, we'll have a show today. We'll have a show tomorrow. And we're going to try to get one up on Wednesday. So we'll hit that three-episode threshold before I go out of town. And we will not have an episode uh, for a couple of days there. So wanted to get one out tonight. Wanted to get one out tomorrow. And hopefully on Wednesday as well. So let's dive right into it. I thought this would be a good segment idea considering it's Christmas and considering a lot of people here in Kansas City are not feeling too good today. Maybe you didn't even care about the football game. Maybe you you don't even want me to bring it up again. But I would say the overwhelming majority of people that care about football here not feeling too good. And that is a surprise because Christmas almost always makes people feel good, whether you're with family or you're not. It's the age-old saying of, you know, just being around family, good things are going to happen to you. And so far today, you know, with with the Chiefs losing, for some people, that wasn't the case. So what I wanted to do was to make this more of a a dreaming type of podcast. We're going to look ahead to the future, uh, see what needs to go right, which guys you don't need to give up on, but also uh, sprinkle in a little bit of reality here and say, you know, who are some guys we need to maybe not set such high expectation for in 2023 or 24, excuse me. 
But looking ahead at this team, uh, uh, what needs to go right? Of course, I already think they checked a lot of boxes in the offseason. Uh, we've covered that in multiple podcast episodes that this is something they need to be doing. Overhauling the bullpen. They need to overhaul the rotation. They need to get depth in their lineup. Of course, they need the guys to stay healthy. But there were a lot of boxes they checked, at least in my opinion, for 2024. Now, you can check boxes on paper, right? Everybody knows that typically when you're checking boxes, you're doing so on paper. And that is the exact same thing for this team. They haven't played a game yet. They have not showed up to spring training. So right now, it's just we feel good about the team. You you feel positive about this team. But they still have to go out there and win games. Because I put out a Twitter poll uh, before the holidays. I want to say it was last week, late in the week at some point. On if John Sherman and J.J. Piccolo signed Bobby Wood Jr. to an extension this offseason. What does that do for you? Is it these are the guys for the job? It's good, but they still need to win. And that was the winning vote category. I can't remember what three and four were. I think three was not not sold yet, and four was still want these guys fired. But the overwhelming majority voted for, it feels good. This team is becoming on paper more competitive, but winning is going to be what turns everything around. And to me, that that is a big part of this. And the way they're going to grip fans, the way they're going to have to draw everybody in, is it's got to start in April. Right, I feel like I, I sound like a broken record saying this. We've gone over it before. April is a big part of the season. Um, of course, it's a marathon. Of course, there's many more games. There's many more months after that. But if you don't win in April, it's hard to turn things around. When you dig yourself into a significant hole like they have over the last couple years, you can't really pull yourself out of it. So how do they get off to a hot start in April? Well, your guys, your stars, your power bats in the lineup, They can't start sluggish. They have to be the bats that carry this offense from the get-go, right? I don't want to be sitting here doing these podcasts if they're struggling and going, oh, don't worry, they're going to get better. We know that. But you can't rely on the guys who are 50-50 to carry that offense. So that means Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pasquantino. Um, I would go as far to say Michael Garcia, probably Salvador Perez as well. Those four, to me, you got to carry the workload. You have to be the four guys to make this offense click more than it did last year. Then it trickles down and you go, Melendez starts taking off. Then it's Hunter Renfro that starts taking off. Then Massey has the pressure come off his shoulders. Kyle Isbell and Nelson Velasquez, all of those guys will follow suit based on what those front four do. Now that's important for April, right? So that has to continue throughout the season. But this also factors into this opening segment. There are going to be stretches. Bobby Wood Jr. doesn't hit. There's going to be stretches. Michael doesn't hit. Or Salvi doesn't hit. Vinny doesn't hit. So what is the fallback then? How bad does it get when those guys struggle? Can can MJ Melendez carry the offense for a series or two? Can Nelson Velasquez, can Renfro do that? That has to be the collective unit. If they're going to be a playoff team, which I know a lot of people are listening to this podcast, you're holding out hope for, that's got to happen, right? The the slumps, when you're in a four or five game losing streak in the offense, can't get anything going, how bad is that drop-off? And last year, it was pretty significant. When the Stars weren't getting it done, there was nobody that could get on base. That has to change, number one. Number two, it's the rotation, right? You need Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, Cole Reagans to be the stabilizers. If they're not the stabilizers, it doesn't really matter how good Brady Singer looks. 
if Jordan Lyles bounces back. Like that, I think, is everybody's question mark is what is Brady Singer going to look like? That only matters if Seth Lugo, Cole Reagans, and Michael Walker are stabilizers for this rotation. If they're not, if they all take steps backward, I don't care if Brady Singer looks like the 2022 version of himself. It does not make the rotation better. So you're paying Michael Walker. You're paying Seth Lugo. They have to follow up now. Like, I think we all feel good, including myself, about how the rotation looks. But like I said, that's on paper. At the end of the day, these guys have to go out there and log you the innings. They have to rack up the quality starts. And yeah, that means putting the pressure on Reagans early on. But right now, Brady Singer and Jordan Lyles are kind of in that category of if they bounce back, great. But we're not relying on them. You're relying on one through three, Waka, Lugo, Reagans. So that's number two for me. Number three, I mean, it's kind of an obvious one. Depth and staying healthy is so important for this team because when you're not like the Dodgers, when you're not like the Yankees, there is a pretty big drop-off with depth, right? If Michael Garcia gets hurt or Bobby Wood Jr. gets hurt, Garrett Hampson's the replacement, okay? So that is a pretty big drop-off in my opinion. Now, that's all roll the dice. There's nothing that you can do differently to avoid that. It's baseball injuries happen. But lineup-wise, I mean, you definitely want Vinny Pasquini to stay healthy. That is a big part of this. Salvi's got to stay healthy. Bobby Wood, of course, has to stay healthy. I think Melendez has to stay healthy for this team to achieve what it wants to achieve. Rotation's a big one, too. You've got a couple of older pitchers now in the rotation. Lugo, you know, mid-30s. Michael Walker, nearing mid-30s. So those guys, they may not give you 170, 180 innings, but if they can give you 140, 150 really good innings, that does change the outlook of this rotation. Number four for me, right, what's this bullpen going to look like? Right, Late inning situations, and more specifically, in the second half. Right, I feel like everybody can get hot early on. The weather's cold in April. You're going to be traveling a lot of places in the central, Chicago, Cleveland, Minnesota. Uh, the bullpen can have a little bit of an upper hand. Late in the game, it's cold. You know, guys are wearing the masks over their neck and their face, and they don't want to be out there holding the wooden bat. And it's freezing, right? And so the bullpen can take advantage there. But what happens when it gets warm? What happens when you're pitching in front of sold-out crowds? Can this bullpen erase what happened last year and really take that step forward? I think we saw good things from MacArthur, a good first half from Hernandez, right, McMillan for a couple of innings when he came up. Like, those are the guys you want to see take the next level. But you've got some, you know, stability now in that bullpen, right? You've got Chris Stratton. You've got Will Smith. You've got Nick Anderson. Those guys can help the young ones. But that, to me, I'm looking forward for the bullpen in the second half. If you're still in this thing, that is going to be what carries you to the postseason. You can have a great offense, a great rotation in the second half, but if you can't hold down those 4-2 leads on the road of a tough environment, you're not getting all the way to September. So right now, those are some of my early signs I'm going to be looking for. You know How this team can really take the next jump, compete deep into the postseason, or maybe I should say just deep into the regular season for now. Those are a lot of things that have to happen. But if you've got any differing thoughts, let me know in the YouTube comments below or let me know on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. All right, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, I'm going to give you some guys who you shouldn't give up on just yet. And then, of course, to close out the show, I have some guys that maybe we should lower the bar just a little bit. But more positivity coming to you on this Christmas edition of Locked On Royals. That's coming up next. 
on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are tuning to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. A little bit of a tongue twister there, even though I've said it 200 times before on this podcast uh, series that I've been having. But, and you can probably tell from us right now that we are on a brand new podcasting location. Temporary right now, but at least with the microphone, the camera, everything's going to be looking better uh, moving forward on this uh, channel. So we want to make things a lot better for you, make it more listenable. Quality's a lot better, so hopefully you appreciate it. And if you can tell a difference and it sounds better, again, let us know in the YouTube comments or let us know on Twitter. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I've been getting a lot of questions over the past couple of weeks, mainly since the Royals have been making some moves, right? How the lineup's going to look, how the bullpen's going to look. And I think over and over again, I'll be approached with these questions of would I take this guy over this guy or what are my thoughts on this player? And I thought this was the perfect time to clear the year on guys that I prefer on opening day, guys that I think they're going to get better, guys that I think you need to give a second chance. And there are some people that are not going to change their mind. That's the reality of it. There's going to be you know, some fans out there that dislike a player, and that is not going to change unless that player becomes an all-star or that player becomes the key cog in the middle of the lineup. Number one for me, and it's by far and away, number one, second place couldn't even hold a candle to this guy. And that's not a derogatory thing. That's not to knock number two I have on the list. It's just that number one is so obvious to me and I got to give my reasons as to why. It's MJ Melendez. Okay, so I'm going to begin things from the top here as to why I'm a believer in MJ Melendez. Number one, okay, I'm a big projections guy. Like, I believe when you've got analytical departments, you get Fangraphs, Baseball Savant, uh, you even have you know other scouts that are talking about a player. I buy into that. I go, okay, I can see why they believe in this guy. And what MJ Melendez does at the plate can really become valuable to this team if just a couple of tweaks happen here and there. It's kind of like with Michael Garcia and, and tapping into his power. But for Melendez, you know, the walk rate is there. The raw power is there. To me, last year, it was a confidence thing. And that happens with young players, right? You can't treat everybody like this 10-year vet. Guys and young players, when they lose, when they struggle... It's a mental game. We know that about baseball. It's a huge, huge mental game. With Melendez, to me, walk rate is a big, big, big time thing. If you can walk and you can get on base and you got power, there is something I want to see in the lineup, right? Vinny Pasquantino has that. He's just a much better hitter. He's a much more pure hitter than Melendez, but the ceiling is there for him. And that's why when people are saying, trade him, get rid of him. I don't want to see him out there. I want Dyron Blanco out there. I want Drew Waters. Those guys can't give you what MJ has, and that's the the ceiling of a 340 on-base guy, above average in WRC+, OPS+. And that, to me, is exciting for the middle of the lineup, right? I think MJ has that type of potential. I think he's got more value than people really believe. 
Now, defensively, this is where I think it all comes crumbling down for a lot of fans because they say he's terrible in the outfield, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say he's a great defender, but I also am going to continue to say this over and over and over again that MJ Melendez spent all of last offseason working on his skills behind the plate. He specifically was trying to fine-tune his framing skills because that was one thing that got him viral in a bad way about his catching abilities. It was an awful framer. Lots of pass balls, too. It was a disaster in his rookie season. So he improves that, right? We remember early on in April, MJ's behind the plate. Then all of a sudden, they punt on it. No spring training work, none of that, just punt on it. And then we see him out in right field. Okay, so you go from catching to right field middle of the year. Then they say, okay, never mind. We want you in left field. So all the while, he's struggling in year two, a little bit of a sophomore slump, right? He's trying to learn three different positions. Now it gets to this point of the offseason. I believe we're going to see a much better version. The arm strength, undeniable. Undeniable that he's athletic as well. He's incredibly athletic for his figure, uh, for being a catcher. He's athletic. I think we're going to see a much better version of him defensively because he actually got to spend an offseason working on it. So he, to me, is up top. He, to me, is at the top of the list. I feel like he is one of those guys that can really take a jump forward in year number three. Now, I guess kind of two and a half because he debuted a little bit into the 2022 season. I just think he's one guy you don't want to give up on just yet. Second one for me, Carlos Hernandez. I think the stuff is so unbelievably good. You have to give him a a legitimate role, though, and much more of a solidified role. Don't be throwing him out there in the fifth and the seventh and the eighth and closing out games. I think if you give him a sixth inning role, a seventh inning role, he's going to lean into that and show the first half version we saw from last year. He's not a closer. Okay, the Royals can't make him a closer. Clearly, we saw last year, it just mentally wasn't there for him. But you do not give up on guys that throw 101 and 102 with a a power slider and a disgusting changeup. We can't just deny what we saw in the first half of the year. There's something in there, and I really feel like it's about the start for him. If he gets off to a good start in April, I think we can see a pretty good version of Carlos Hernandez. And then depending where you are, you could try it again to flip him at the deadline because relievers are expendable, and a guy with that type of stuff can net you a pretty good return. And number three, this is going to be, I think, much more controversial than I think people want to believe, maybe. I think it's going to be a controversial take that a lot of people are going to disagree on, but that's kind of a part of this segment. I'm not going to give you the obvious ones. I'm going to give you some that I got to stand by. And this one, to me, is going to be Michael Massey. I know a lot of people in my my follower base, uh, Twitter comments, that they do not like Michael Massey. They do not believe that Michael Massey is an everyday second baseman. Sometimes, though, I just like to look at what second base gives you, all right? Second base is a very low-value position. You can get by with a below-average second baseman. As long as the other ones are carrying the workload offensively, you don't got to worry about it. I mean, just go back in your Royals fandom five, six, seven years ago. Totally different team. But remember, they made it work with Omar Infante for so long, and Omar Infante was bad at second base, both at the plate and in the field. He just was not valuable, and he was making a lot of money. My opinion is that Michael Massey is a guy that gives you great defense. He ran into almost 15 home runs last year. I think it was exactly 15 home runs. 
So a second baseman, little bit of pop, really bad April, and then turn things around a little bit. Now, do I expect Michael Massey to be a gold glover? Do I expect him to be an all-star silver slugger? No. But I think for what you're looking for at second base, there's just not another option right now I think is the right one. I, I believe me, I know Nick Lofton is there. But here's why I'm not ready to just say it's Nick Lofton's job. Let's run with it. Okay, Nick Lofton has less than 30 games in his career, right? So throwing him into that situation, I think feels kind of rushed and kind of foolish. Michael Massey's not 30 or 31. If he was, if he was Chris Getz 2.0, then maybe you make that move. But right now, when you start the year, it's just about having the stability first. And again, this goes to the rotation, the bullpen, everywhere in the lineup. If you have a guy that simply can't cut it and he's on, you know, year three, year four, he's had multiple chances, then you make that move. I'm not saying Nick Lofton can never take that spot from him. But why not wait a little bit? Why not see if Michael Massey, who's 25 years old, can give you some? I think the defense is great. The power can be there. It was all about the start last year for him. If he starts that way again, then you start making those tough decisions of, okay, maybe we just move on from Massey and it's Nick Lofton's job or it's Garrett Hampson's job. That's, to me, why I would make those decisions. Because you're getting good defense at second base. You got a little bit of power there. There's no need to force him out of it until he really shows you this is not what we want. And you know what's going to happen is if the Royals are winning and he is clearly a black hole in that lineup, they will make that move. But when you're losing and they're not doing that well, the, the rush isn't there, which is why last year he held that spot for so long. Defense, number one. And two, there was no rush to move him off that spot. He's a young, controllable player. And I think, like Melendez, has more value than people really want to believe. Okay, but before we move on to our final segment on this special Christmas edition of Locked On Royals, Want to give a shout-out to Locked On Sports today. It's here for you, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. When we return, I just gave you who I said not to give up on. Now I'm going to give you players that maybe you should be giving up on or in more of a positive light, just some players you should lower the bar on a little bit. I'm going to dive into that next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. You also can find us on wherever you listen to your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and we are on YouTube. And we're also on TikTok and Instagram. Give us a follow over there at Locked underscore on underscore Royals little bit of a different spin now on this final segment of this special Christmas edition of Locked On Royals. We are still in the middle of off-season content. I know that once we get things ramped back up in spring training, getting back to five episodes a week, we're going to have a lot different things to talk about than we are right now. But I thought today with, with it being Christmas, you want to have more of a, a dreaming scenario, which is what we opened up with of the show. We had some more positive momentum going into that with our second segment. And now for this last segment, more of a reality check, right? Because as we know, this team is still not projected to get to the postseason. This team isn't projected to have a winning record. And who knows, with the way they played in April before, with guys that can regress, it's possible this team is not as competitive as we want them to be. But I do have a couple of guys that I wrote down that I just think, all right, Going into the year, we can be positive about a lot of things. We can have high expectations for a lot of guys. Bobby Wood Jr., Garcia, Benny Pasquantino, 
Cole Reagans. You know, you, you can have the guys that you love, right? But I also think there's some guys that we just need to lower the expectation for a little bit. These guys could be starters. These guys could be bench guys. But we just have to come to the realization that, hmm, maybe let's not set this bar incredibly high. Number one for me, and it's maybe not going to be as hot takey as I want it to be, but I just want to get the name out there to get this ball rolling. It's Freddie for me. You know me. You've listened to the show before. If you're a longtime listener, a first-time listener, maybe not so much, but Freddie Fermin is a guy that I love to watch play the game. I think Freddie Fermin is an easy guy to root for. You know, he was somebody that spent a long time in the minor leagues, and then he busted into Kansas City and just stole everybody's hearts on a really bad baseball team. But he was incredibly valuable, and you also looked at him and said, this isn't like just some Royals rookie we're all falling in love with because he's just hitting well in, you know, 20 or 30 games. Overall, he was giving you more value behind the plate than Salvador Perez was. But that is also going to lead me into this point, right? I think Freddie Fermin had the the type of season he did because there was not a book on him. And backup catchers, for lack of a better reason, just aren't pitched around, right? The, the, the Royals were known for so long, even after the World Series years of Salvador Perez is that guy that you want to get him to chase, but you're not just challenging him with a fastball in the zone, right? You are not throwing a even a 35-year-old Salvador Perez a fastball dead red, just belt high so he can crush it. You're not doing that. Ready for me, on the other hand, early on in this stint in Kansas City, that was a big part of it, right? Of let's see what this guy's got. If it's a 3-1 count, let him put it in play. And I think another part to tie into this is that we also saw when he was a bit overexposed, he had that 0 for 25, 0 for 28 stretch. It just, it was not good. And he didn't see the same version of him, which is also why for the people out there that are going, why well, want Freddie for me behind the, I want Freddie playing every single day. A big part of how you keep those backups serviceable, how you keep them productive, successful, don't overexpose them. I think the perfect example in those World Series runs was Gerard Dyson. Gerard Dyson was an incredible fourth outfielder. He was so good defensively. It's great on the base paths. And we all remember, he would have those stretches where he'd go 7 of 15. He just was like, why is he not playing every day? I don't want to see Alex Rios out there. I don't want to see Nori Aoki you know, trip over his own feet, though Nori was an incredibly underrated hitter, so I'm not going to slander him at all. But there were a lot of fans that I knew that was, why is Dyson not playing every day? And then he'd get in there because somebody was hurt. Remember when Gordon, you know, ripped up his knee in the, uh, what was it, 2014, I believe it was. Maybe it was 15. It was against Tampa Bay, I remember. It was that warning track ball just completely collapsed in a heap. Dyson came in, actually had an inside the park home run on that same game. But once he got overexposed a little bit, the numbers went down. I think it's the same thing with this team. Is you don't want to play somebody every, Dyrone Blanco, perfect example. I think even guys like Drew Waters, Freddie for me. Like, you just don't want to overexpose them. You take them for what they are. If they can give you a really good game once a week, twice a week, you take that. You don't take the the two great games and go, well, he can do that seven days a week. They can't in reality. It's why they're a backup, right? So to me, Freddie Fermin is one of those guys on the list. Number three, or two, excuse me. I'm already getting ahead of myself. Number two on this list. This is going to be controversial, but I got to hear me out here first. The first guy that came to mind with this, and it's not because I think he's going to have a bad year. I think he's going to have a damn good year. But it is going to have to be Cole Reagans here. Hear me out. 
hold off on the pitchforks. Don't come pounding at this door right here trying to uh, take my credentials away. I think Cole Reagans is going to be the best pitcher on the Royals this year. Flat out simple. I think he's going to be the best pitcher. I think his stuff is going to play absolutely. But you also have to separate what Cole Reagans did last year. And then also understand that if he doesn't reach that, that does not mean he's a bad pitcher. We saw Cole Reagans be the best pitcher in Major League Baseball for like a month. Like it was ridiculous. A guy that's throwing 101 in the sixth inning, his final pitch of the day. Like that's Justin Verlander stuff. And we also have to factor in, this is more so to take pressure off of his shoulders. Expect greatness from him, but do not expect a 15-start stretch where he goes Jacob DeGrom. Six innings, one run. Six innings, no run. Seven innings, two runs. You're hopefully going to get like five of those in a row. And then you're going to see some regression. Remember at the end of last year, we saw him kind of get wild toward the end of starts. That's going to happen. But I want everybody to understand, I believe he's going to be the best pitcher on this team. Number two, I think his numbers are going to be fantastic. Number three, I also don't think he's going to be a Cy Young winner. Okay, (laughs) what we saw last year from him was kind of Cy Young-esque. So to me, that's just a bar we got to lower just a hair, right? Hey, you know, I, I would you maybe ask me the question, is Bobby Wood Jr. going to have expectations lowered? No, because I think he's going to be even better next year. So I think he's going to do it for an entire season. Reagan, just because we haven't seen him for a full year as a starter, we haven't seen him give you 30 starts. It's that unpredictability a little bit. He's going to be great. Don't be mad about me thinking he's going to be bad. I just think from what we saw last year, just expect when you're stretching out that much, it's not going to look like that every single time out. I still think we're going to get, you know, close to 170, 180 in the Cole Reagans. He's going to have, you know, close to 200 strikeouts. I think we're going to see a very good version of number 55 coming up in 2024. And lastly, the last guy that I want to just lower the expectation for a bit. And uh, this is another one that I think is going to uh, maybe not be as fun to end on, but I do expect Seth Lugo, a guy they just brought in. And I love the Seth Lugo signing. And maybe you're now a little bit alarmed because I picked two starters and those are two starters that need to be good for this team. But just also know that Seth Lugo is a guy that kind of like Reagan's hasn't done this a lot in his uh, before in his career. Hasn't been a long-term starter. I still think Seth Lugo gives you a lot better than what you got last year. But also note that this is a guy in his mid-30s. Okay, he had a really good a career year, basically, in San Diego last year. I think those numbers are going to be somewhat similar. But don't expect him to walk in here. And, and maybe I should throw Michael Walker as an honorable mention. Don't expect these guys to come in and be true number ones, number twos, and 200 innings and 200 strikeouts. Just hope for stability. That's the big thing with me. You stabilize this rotation you will be competing deep into this season. But for any fan out there that was thinking, because the Royals got him, because I gave that vote of confidence that they were going to be these all-star studs, hey, I'm fingers crossed for it, absolutely. But I just think some guys, just because you're lowering expectations, doesn't mean you think they're going to be bad. It's just that you think maybe, okay, where we're setting them up to is something where we're all going to be disappointed. If you think Michael Walker or Lugo is going to be a 20-game winner or a 16-game winner, a 200-inning guy, a, a sub-3 ERA, you're probably not going to get that. So to me, it's just, all right, let's 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 set a baseline here of what we really want from the guys the Royals brought in. And if you do that, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by how different this team is, how much more competitive they really are. 
Well, that's going to do it for a special Christmas edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. Also catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. And we will be back tomorrow. Another morning episode I think we'll probably try to do instead of a late night one. But we'll have plenty of more to dive into. Some more predictions I may have. And maybe some more hot takes are on the way. But before we say goodbye, one last shout out to Locked On Sports today. It's here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Until tomorrow. You take it easy, Kansas City. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.